Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Whenever I see your smiling face, I have to smile myself because I love you. And maybe not for the same type of love James Taylor is talking about, but whenever I see this face in front of me, this upside down head in front of me, (laughs) named 84 come on the Joey Clark Radio Hour, I'm very happy. Thank you, Joey. I'm always happy to be here. Well, and this song also reminds me of my roommate, Andrew. He freaking loves this song. He loves James Taylor. This, this, is a, this is a good tune. Now it's starting to concern me that you think about me. Oh, no, you not in the same... you were in love a couple of times before no, but not with the, the s- girl next door, not, but you love me. Uh, it's not that same type of love. Oh, no, okay. I made that clear from the get-go, from the top of the show. It's not that same type of love. My first crush wasn't Mowgli from the Jungle Book 84. Hey, that I'm leads... Not, I'm not... I don't lean that way. That leads into the, the one... I actually just had kind of a silly question to yeah. ask you tonight. Are we going to continue that, that, the questions? Leads, yeah, well, I'll, I'll start with this because okay. I think it, it'll kind of lend into the the conversation we're having coming up to yeah. the opening of the show. Sure. What is the very first memory that you have in your mind? The of, very first memory? Very first because, you, you know, we're... I don't we, know, man. We don't, you know, memories, this and that. I mean, there's things that we remember, things that we know. You know, you have recall. You see something and go, oh, I remember when I was there. But the first, when you close your eyes, you can kind of see it in your head and remember that moment. Because I don't know exactly when consciousness, I guess it starts when you're born. It does. But, but... I mean, and I don't remember laying in the crib right. wanting something remembering oh man I'm hungry I wish mama would come bring me a bottle but the first thing that flashes in your head uh, when you were the, the youngest hmm I don't know I have some early ones but I don't know what comes first I you know rest in peace mom but she had us go to this daycare she was a working woman a nurse working i believe at the hospital floor at this time so my dad worked too and construction scheduling traveled so you like a lot of working people in america you needed a daycare and she took us to this daycare and i have this weird old memory of the daycare person, the babysitter, so to speak, feeding us casserole from the same big spoon. Like, get in line, little ones. 
If Time you, for your slop. What was she saying? If you don't eat your meat, you can't have your pudding. Yeah, maybe I'm, <laughs> I'm letting <laughs> the brick in the wall sneak into my memory. <laughs> maybe I'm you know, letting that scene from Billy Madison sneak in. Like, ah, oh, get your sloppy joes. I know you kids like them nice and extra sloppy. Go away, lady. <laughs> you're scaring us. Maybe that's what I'm remembering. Um. I wonder how much that affects our memories, too. The older we get when we're remembering things from a, an earlier past. Yeah, I, I know I was being silly, but how that you weave in current experiences mm. into your past memories. I remember, I, I know for a fact, my first memory, but it kind of ties in with this. Because I was told the story several times as well. Mm -hmm. I can still see the door frame. We were, I was being chased, I'm assuming, by my oldest brother. I don't know if my baby brother was born yet. I was somewhere in the two-year-old range. And I can remember, you know, you're running and looking behind you. And as soon as I turned, my head hit. Uh, a door jab mm -hmm. and it's it's an old timey with a sharp corner on it and it split my head open one of these wrinkles Ooh. one of these wrinkles right here is actually a scar wow. it's not a wrinkle this one right here went to the hospital and got my head sewed up it's oh like you're right i can see seven that. or nine but that one right there yeah and mama said that that happened when i was in the two-year-old range but i can still i can close my eyes and i can see all I, I can just see my head turning, and I can see that door jab right in front of me. And I don't know if it knocked me out or what, but that is my very first memory. You know, folks, if you get on radio long enough and you continue to talk, which I know I'm probably guilty of this, you reveal yourself. And I think you, 84, have just revealed and explained a lot. <laughs> One of your earliest <laughs> memories is getting knocked broke, on the head. I broke my brain at age two. <laughs> Hey, it 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 doesn't hurt you. I, I I have dropped every one of my children on their head. What? Yes, you can't hurt them. They 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 bounce. They say a bouncing baby boy, girls bounce just as well. Okay. But I I dropped every one of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we got all the way to the third one before Lauren even knew that I had dropped the first two because she saw me drop Savannah. Mm. And she's like, you're going to kill the baby dropping it on the head? And I was like, uh, let me tell you something. Uh, I've dropped the other two as well. <laughs> wow. Can't believe you confessed to that. Not from a great height, but, but yeah. yeah but this uh, earliest memories thing, especially you bring in the idea of we might weave in later experiences or start to fill in the blanks with sort of useful fictions, even dreams. Like, I had a dream the other night. Where And I really believed it until I woke up. I was experiencing all the stress, all the anxiety, all the insecurity of being like in fourth grade and I didn't do the homework assignment. And I'm sitting in class. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I woke up and went, oh, I'm 29. I'm not in fourth grade. <laughs> Stupid teachers. But it's weird how that stuff like sneaks in. And it makes me think of like what we see on the news. I, all the different perspectives. Sometimes I think it is truly agenda-driven. 
the left has their narrative. Excuse me, pardon me. The right has their narrative. I think Donald Trump has his own narrative, independent from Republicans. There are a few groups that have their narrative, and they try to make the facts best fit their narrative. But there are folks who I think generally see the same exact event, and they have a different perspective. And so how can you really trust your own mind to have taken a photograph of a certain moment in time? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's one thing when it's just happening to you. What if it's a crazy event? Yeah. Like, like just the shooting in Florida. It, the shooting in Las Vegas was even worse. The amount of people that came away saying, having differing accounts that contradicted themselves, were those people just lying for media attention? Maybe a few, but... I think most are just caught up in the moment, and they heard what they heard, they saw what they saw, their brain connected the dots, and they saw, this is this was what happened. I don't care what you tell me, this it's, is what it's happened. A, it's a weird thing, the way the brain works, the brain itself. Yeah. Our brains are the only thing that our brains cannot understand <laughs> how it works. Right, we're self-conscious, but not if, that if, conscious. If, you're yeah. think, if you think about it, the, our brain can understand everything except how itself works now you're of a certain age i don't think you're not a boomer are you you're more what are you jesus christ no i may look like a boomer but good god my parents are boomers i know you're not jeez my name what is your generation ah were uh, were we called generation x maybe i was born in 73 so i grew up in the 80s but I was like late 80s, not early 80s. I wasn't born in, you know, the late 60s and grew up in the early 80s. I grew up in the late 80s. In okay. To the, I graduated in 91. Oh. That's the... And that leads so, us to what we were talking about off air. You mentioned that, like, the best music. Yeah, we were just talking about music. And you were saying it was that 80s. You wanted me to play some Run DMC. You were saying it was the 80s was the best time, that 80s, early 90s. And and that was my argument, was because of of all the genres of music had great music within them, no matter what you were a fan of. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I said to you, maybe you think that way about that era of music, because that's when you were coming into your own. And, and that's a wonderful question. Literally because, and figuratively. Yeah, because you go through things as you as you grow up. Uh, you know, I mean, your body changes when you start getting hormones and feelings and this and that. Yeah. I mean, there's right. I can I can give you a perfect example. This is not a great song, but it still takes me back in time. Mm-hmm. Is the song "Lady in Red"? Oh yeah. Because I had the biggest crush on a girl at the time, and I was just starting to really sounded have little, those feelings. Yeah, you're sounding a little choked up now. And and when I hear "Lady in Red," I would just, it's, I, I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm I was thinking about, and I can still, even at age, what am I now? Forty four, forty three, forty four, mm-hmm. somewhere in that area. Okay, it, it's, I think I'm forty four. Anyhow, I'm old enough, I can't remember. But I can still, when I hear that song, I can go back and I can still feel those feelings from back then. So maybe that's why. Exactly. I mean, that's a good song. It's tied to a It's memory. not a great song. Right. But every song, when you, when you hear them, and maybe it is nostalgia. Right. Because when you go back and you hear, like, Run DMC's, My, Uh, Dita's. <laughs> Look, that song had such an impact on us. Yeah. 
we went from Converse to Adidas on our basketball team, and we wore black Adidas with our orange and green and white. Still wearing the uh, short shorts back then? No, they weren't short shorts. They were like mid thighs. They 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 weren't. They had. They were. They were. Wasn't Magic Johnson. Wasn't Larry Bird Magic Johnson sort of? No, it wasn't Larry Legend. It was. That was the transition period between the a little more length. Yeah, the (laughs) on the shorts, the plum robbers, and the and the (laughs) you know. Calf length shorts. Uh, I couldn't have played in the calf length shorts. I don't know how they play in those long britches. Uh, but no, well, they were. I, I don't know. I'm just sitting here thinking, especially with nostalgia, golden age thinking. It's oh, it used to be better than it is now. You know, we talk about all the time, especially in our latest political discourses, fake news. Even though I think the first person to talk about fake news was Hillary Clinton, and Trump takes that from her, and it's. I think was taken because it's an effective tool to make people uh, question things for whatever reason. Sometimes fake news means actually false information. Sometimes fake news means inconvenient information to me. Don't pay attention to that. Sometimes it's satire. It's, it's not even trying to attempt to be true, but people just accept it as truth. But I think our problem where everybody's like, I want the truth. I want the facts. I want to know what's fake news, and I want to know what's true. It's difficult to get there when, say, I'm 29. You're 44, 45. We don't really remember. But somebody in their 60s, somebody in their 70s, somebody who's 19, 20, just now going into college. Even if you present all those different types of people from just an age basis, the same facts, they're not going to see the same thing. And yet, how do we get our arms around the fact that, like, other than the usual generational sniping, like, shut up, millennials, weren't you eating Tide Pods last year? I mean, that stuff's all good and fun. But how do you even get your arms around the fact that there is a big difference between a 20-year-old and a 44-year-old, and they both have the vote that counts the same, and sometimes when they get national news coverage, a 19-year-old becomes the latest spokesman for gun regulation. So I don't know how you even begin to tackle that. Yeah, I thought you change you change so much the older you get, especially the more experiences you have changes you more than your age. Even right, you know. I mean, once you get married, it's like with responsibility, you you change so much because you're yep. you're more you have to be more responsible. Well, well I'm, I'm married now. I've got to do this. I've got to get up and go to where I can't just quit. I can't just go take this job. You know, when you get children, especially, then that's more. And then the older they get, but I do think you know what you're saying you know looking back and you're like oh well in my day that was the greatest times well, this is terrible now i think the you're in a different place because when we go back and look at when we were children you think about it, you had no responsibility right. yeah i mean you had you got to you didn't get to do everything you wanted to do but you just you know you got up you you didn't have to decide what you're going to do your mm-hmm. schedule was set you know i mean we're we're somewhat you know, free to what we can do. You've right. got a couple of hours that you've got to be here. You get to do whatever. Now, when you're a child, everything's structured for you, but it was a great time because you had no worries, no cares. You didn't have to think about, all right, now what am I going to do, you know, at this time tomorrow between here and there? Right. And and so well, maybe and that's why we, we kind of glorify the time period, if not just our childhood, 
that we grew up in because it's it's easy. Right. Right. But here, oh, no, well, hold on. Let me hold on. I said that wrong. It's simple. Mm. Not necessarily easy. Right. You know, because I mean, you may have had a terrible childhood. You may have been forced to get up and, and uh, you know, scrub the baseboards every morning and sweep the roof off every afternoon. And it may have been terrible. So it may not have been easy, but it was simple. You at least knew what you were going to do. Well, and I feel like there was more, there was differences if you are 20 years old. There's a difference in how you were raised, most likely. Not all the time. Most likely in how you were raised than compared to a 44-year-old. No, mo- most definitely yeah. there was a difference. Right. It, but each generation, it, it's not just an age thing. You get all sorts of the baggage of that time where what parents were being told how to raise their kids, the cultural changes. And it's hard to put your finger on who has the correct perspective. I, and I want to put it this way. Instead of it being like, are the baby boomers right? Are... The Gen Xers, right, or the Millennials, right, or whatever the hell we're going to call this next crop. Um, what if we put it this way? Is because you mentioned responsibility. Like when life changed from your sort of free, carefree, could do whatever you want, other than the restrictions put on your by your parents as a child, entering into that part of life where you're taking on more and more responsibility. I have my own ideas about responsibility from a perspective of what I did not do what I did not take responsibility for. I'm just really starting to think about that a lot these days. But could you maybe describe, would you say it was more meaningful when your life started to take on more responsibility? Whether you want to define that as a job or taking care of a family or getting married or finding new friends or accomplishing some goal in life you've always wanted? It, 100% without a doubt it was. I mean, I, that's the easiest question I've ever been asked. I come from a little different situation because we grew up on a family farm, right? right. And and so at a, a at a young age, you know, I would say probably even all the way back to maybe nine or ten years old, when when I was taught how to drive a tractor, I was taken to a hayfield, a 40, say a 40-acre pasture, and I was put on the tractor. I had a water jug. I had what we called our eats would be some vainas and some nabs. Yeah. If anybody knows what nabs are. I don't know what nabs right, are. That would be a good trivia question. Unfortunately, I know what country folks are. Country folks know what nabs are, mm-hmm. but I'd have my nabs and my vainas and my water bucket, and my job was to rake that field. You rake wind rows up and then the baler comes behind and bails it. Back then we had small equipment, different things. I would be out there for maybe three hours by myself as a nine-year-old in the middle of a 40-acre pasture with no cell phone. Well, and I lived. Yeah. And But when when you got through, I can remember, Joey, this is another one of my earliest memories. That's what I was going to ask. I can remember one night and it, it was... See... I would like to think this was the very first time I got left by myself without anybody in the pasture. Probably wasn't. But I remember one night laying down in bed, and I was I was give out, open tractor, beaten by the sun, didn't even have an umbrella on it or anything, sunburned, and I laid down that night after washing all the old dust. And, I mean, you get that, that hay dust, it, it, the, with stuff called tickle grass, we called it. Mm. It would get down in your collar. Mm. You know, you've done outside work, and it was just 
you were miserable. You get home, you take a bath, you lay down, you know, eat supper, and as soon as your head hits the pillow, you're ready to go to sleep. My daddy comes in, and he puts his hand on my head. He kissed me on my forehead. My daddy kissed me goodnight every night of my life, and he says, Son, I can't tell you how proud of you I am. And when he said that, I was like, yeah. Hmm. You know, he left me there to do it, and I did the job, and I got it done, and I did it right, and I felt complete. And I looked up at him, I says, Daddy, you know what? I'll never forget saying, this is probably the first thing I remember saying. I said, Daddy, it feels good to be tired. Right. And he, and he looked at me, and he just said, you're right, son. And and he was probably younger than I am right now when he told me. Well, I know he was younger than I am right now. Because mm. he would have been in his late 30s. Wow. Yeah, he'd have been and in now his having late that 30s. Perspective and now I'm memory. him where yeah. I remember him. And now that weirds you out. Yeah. Well, and the reason I ask in particular about responsibility and if it made life more meaningful is I've been sitting over here thinking about that first question that was initially silly. What's your earliest memory? But the memories that are the freshest, and I, again, I'm not really doing this on a timeline, but the memories that stick around are, one, unfortunately, moments of kind of trauma or suffering. Now, if it's so traumatic, I'd imagine you might blank it out. Some people do that. and But you remember moments where you messed up, where you got hurt. Like, you hit your head on a pole. Like, you remember those? I remember, you can see this uh, on my middle finger there. I'm not get flipping on the bird. On my left middle finger, see that scar? Yeah. Yeah, I was helping my mom. I was like four <coughs> or five, and she was putting together a party for some folks. I was helping use one of those old school apple slicers. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the, the ones that are, you, you get the little down. round hole, and yeah, you, you push, push down. And, and she's like, you can help me. <laughs> and then realized my little middle finger was underneath it and it took a chunk out of my finger or you could see the bone uh-huh. and i can remember that vividly to this day even though it was like four or five mm-hmm. and i remember it didn't hurt at all until later when we got to the hospital the adrenaline is so crazy that yeah it, it's just it's almost surreal bizarre seeing that i didn't really freak out until we got there then that started to hurt a lot and apparently when they gave me the uh the shot the the pain killing shot I yelled cowabunga at the top of my lungs and scared everybody on the hospital floor. But the reason I ask about responsibility is, okay, I remember, like, when you mess up, pain sticks with you. You don't necessarily remember the exact pain, but you remember those moments. You remember it hurt. You got hurt. Uh, But you also, not as much, remember really funny moments, which to me is sad. Like, I don't remember... Unless something triggers it, it's hard for me to recall off the top of my head great moments of fellowship, just having a great laugh. That's why I think when people get back together again, we tell all the old funny stories. Yeah, you, you go because you need those people there to really remember. And, it. and most of those stories involve oh, you remember when you yeah. fell off of so and so, or the, you remember when that guy kicked you in the so and so. But the memories that stick around the most. I think are the most meaningful and fulfilling. And again, folks, I'm just talking off the top of my head. Uh, I'm not an expert. I'm just talking from experience. Uh, I think the ones that stick with you the most, the memories that do, are the ones where you've taken responsibility. And whether you fail with your responsibility, you might have tried and not succeeded, or you, you 
transform yourself into something better or you achieve some goal, those memories tend to stick around. And when it was self-directed, like I remember walking for college in my college degree, that was not like some big meaningful moment for me. I was tempted because when you walk up to the stage, you're supposed to write your name on the back of a little card for the announcer because there's thousands of people moving through across the stage. You didn't go Twilight to Ramsey, did you? No, I almost wanted him to write Turt Ferguson. <laughs> but I'm like, my folks are in the audience. I paid all this money. Uh, I'm not going to have them announce Turt Ferguson. So they announced Joey Clark. But to me, it wasn't a personal like achievement of mine. I was like, yeah, I jumped through some hoops. I was supposed to jump through. Good job, Joey. But the memories that stick out are like the first ones where like, I'm tired. And it feels good. I, my first real job was construct, construction cleanup Saturday mornings when I was like 15, 16. And I remember going, this is hell in the middle of it. But this is also worth it. I get paid and I kind of feel good. I almost have like, what do they call it? A runner's high, whatever. And, like, and you, you had accomplished something. Yeah. I mean, there was crap laying everywhere when you got there. And it, it, it was a, a clean slab again when you left. Right, and those that's the memories in little ways, like learning for the first time how to work hard, to, well, I think, especially in our society, where men aren't always called to be warriors, like I think in older cultures, where we don't face that many, like, crazy, risky events, and I think that's why we look at, like, the greatest generation and go, wow, they did, and a few veterans have, but most men aren't going off to have the great adventure, what is, I think, one of the last great heroes' adventures for men and women, but for men in our society, is uh, love, romance. So even as a little kid, I can remember most of my crushes, and they obviously didn't work out. But I can remember how meaningful those moments were, even though I'm a stupid first grader, and the girl said she didn't like me. But you remember those moments where you get up the courage. You're like, "Hey, what's up?" Uh, well, I think I think we and and I think this. I mean, this translates across the board, men and women. But I heard someone say, "Men are great at what they're passionate about," mm. and I don't think we have changed as people. Talking about the greatest generation, we call them. They were passionate about their country, and they were doing what they had to do for their country, and that's what their focus and their goal and their passion was for. Some were. Some would put it that way. Some would go, I wanted to kill some krauts. Well, and, and well, I mean, no, you know what I no, mean. no blanket statement is, is you know, 100%, but that's what the general passion was if you're going to put the whole generation, yeah. you know, into a bucket. That's what they were... We have been so blessed in this country. We're so fortunate. Life is so easy. Our passions have become a college football, mm. politics, in large part, has become somewhat of a sport. I think that's and, what's tearing us apart. And you're an Auburn fan, and I'm an Alabama fan, is the way I look at politics. And then that's your conservative Republican and your liberal Democrats, Auburn, Alabama. Every once in a while, you'll have a Florida State fan or a Clemson fan come in in the center. That's your libertarians. Yeah. And it's 
So there's not the hatred from the Libertarians necessarily towards the other two teams, but the well, Democrats they, they don't sound like and libertarians. the Republicans, <laughs> they, hate, right, they hate each other. Well, Libertarians hate everybody. Do, libertarians are Notre Dame fans then. They hate everybody. <laughs> We're... Notre Dame. They talk about the past greatness of the cause. The, yeah. yeah, so but it's <laughs> it's become, but that's where the the passion because we are life is so easy now. We're not worried about the things that people were worried about in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. You know, uh, d do we have an empty flower sack so I can sew? You know, a dress for Sarah. No, it's run down to Target and get another one. Hmm. is what we do. Well, here's where I'm coming from tonight, <laughs> is that uh, we're always arguing over what's real news, fake news, what's fact or fiction, what's true or false. And what I would rather people be using their valuable voices, their time, their radio airwaves, their television airwaves, their internet channels, is instead of bickering over selectively chosen facts to win... We start sharing our unique experiences across generations in order to find some common experience. Some folks talk about, let's bring the draft back to give people a common experience. I think that's not a great idea from all sorts of points of view, philosophical and practical. But here's a good thing about, say, the folks who had to fight and share the common experience of World War II. Nobody wants to go back to another world war. We pretty much universally agree on that. But life no is... In, no individual. There are people that maybe a few yeah. World War. Blanket statements. We just got to throw yeah. them out and see <laughs> how we speak. But nobody really wants that. But the crazy thing that comes out of those tragic, horrifying events, say like World War II or 9-11 maybe is our closest common experience... It's terrible you wish the tragedy never happened, but there's always a silver lining out of it. You see heroism. You see people bond together. You see a solidarity in, say, London when the Blitz is happening. You see people looking out for one another for the most part. And that's a great thing. My point of view is that let's not have to go back to another tragic experience. And I think the president even made this point, or whoever wrote the speech for him, or he may, maybe he came up with it. It was a fantastic point. Let's not just find heroism. In our tragic moments, let's find a common experience, and in my hope, outside of politics, with mostly storytelling. We can communicate like never before in human history, and yet we're using it to bicker at one another over political power? I say we share our stories. we got to hit a quick break. Sorry to get all preachy there. Yes, sir, Brother Clark. <laughs> See, you just put me in a good mood. Whenever I see that you bass. Smile me. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. And I'm smiling at Joey right now. We'll be right back. Whenever I see your smile and face my way. Welcome back. Coming back to Stevie Nicks' Stand Back. This had to be the 80s, 83, probably. Somewhere in there. Uh, don't ask me years. 
Raspiness to it, smoke. It's good. Well, we're really talking about like first memories tonight, and how your unique experience, I think, colors your assessment of the facts. Yeah, maybe how experiences changes what your conscious memory is. And right. we said something off air. I want to say again because I think I think it was a good point. Is memories are not ever wrong because that is what you remember right however what you remember is not necessarily a fact right it may be influenced by all these other things maybe i don't remember hitting that door maybe i just remember mama telling me the story about having to take me to the the emergency room when I ran into well the other time I got pushed. I was about to say how many times door. did you get these vertical stars? No, my, my baby brother he shoved me through the front door. We had a front door. Now I do remember this. So you've been hit on the head many times. <laughs> oh my god! A cow kicked me in the head one time, Joey. <laughs> the, uh, that's another story. I mean, knock me I mean, slam seriously, out. <laughs> seriously, folks, your head is like your forehead. At least it looks like an urban planning office is setting out a new city, like. The, you got the horizontal. All right, the vertical crowns, ones. Are, yeah. The vertical are the ones where I've hit my head. The horizontal come from my children is where they come from. Well, and you laugh at all the time. I think that works. They go up. I, well, they go up. I do have some smile lines. Too. Indeed. Let's go to the phones and go to Miss Pine Level. Apparently, she has a story, a memory she wants to share. Yes, I do. Hey, Miss Pine Level. <laughs> Hey, eighty four. I, you know, I surely do want to meet you one day. Well, we'll we'll meet one day. Yeah, I really. I, there's a lot of things I think you teach me about the Bible. Okay. That I would like to know better. But anyway, um, you were talking about how you ran uh, the hay rake. Yes, ma'am. On the tractor. Well, see, I did the same thing when I was about 10, 11 years old. Um. You know, but I'm a girl, but my daddy put me on a little port tractor. I mean, I had been watching for, you know, two or three years riding on the big farm all while he was pulling the hay baler, you know, and I saw how the whole thing worked, the whole system worked. So I knew how, what you had to do to rake day. So he let me rake day one day because my brother was in school and couldn't. He let me rake day. You know, and then, and like the times that, we had to get up uh, all the cows in the in the spring or fall whenever and castrate them and give them their shots and clip their ears. You know, on a 300-acre farm, you and with about 350 head of cattle, you got to, you know, get them all up together at one time and know they're all there. Mm-hmm. Well, my daddy be at work, and me on my Shetland pony, during the day, after school, I'd go out, I'd find as many cows as I could on my shelling pony, no saddle, no bridle, nothing but a haystack. And I would round up as many cows as I could. It might not be but 12, 13, 15, whatever. And I'd head them all home, however far that was on that 300 acres. And when I'd get there, they'd sit there and I'd keep them there until somebody come help me get them in the barn or in the pen. And those kind of things are, my daddy would be so proud of me. And people, what a good job I did. Yeah. There's nothing in the world like that. Nothing. 
No, it, it it's not, and that's the the affirm the I affirmation. Am, I you believe get. that's why I am the way I am today. Hmm. I love simple things. I love nature. Um, it's you have to experience it to know what it's like. Well, that's what you know, and when you have you when you have precious memories like that of being outside and doing something. It, it gives you that longing because when you go back out in nature just right now and just rake leaves, yeah. you can then you go back and you reconnect to that feeling. It's like when you when you smell something and you're like, oh, and it you takes never, you back you in time. You might not know what that smell is by name, but you know you've smelled it. That's right, and, and that, that prompts you. And, oh, and, and certain songs bring back certain memories. Right. Songs are another great it, thing. Yeah, even the last few days and all the grass I mean, I'll be walking along out in my yard or whatever, and, and I'll see a big bunch of grass going, and I pull it up, and I put it to my nose, and I smell it. <laughs> and I no, stop no. for a second, and I take in that breath of that smell of <laughs> what it used to be like. And I know people think, what the hell is she doing? <laughs> but I don't give a dang because... <laughs> that ain't cannabis, lady! It's a different grass. <laughs> I mean, it's, it just brings back all of those memories and that. Miss Fine Level, let me ask you real quick. Did you feel, did you have this profound meaning attached to doing those things when you were a little girl? Or has this gotten more and more profound over time? Like, the way I would put it is I remember okay, some things at the time I didn't, I was not no, happy. <laughs> I, no, I wanted to. Okay, yeah, that's now, what I, I did. Now, I did one time. I was helping my daddy fix fences, barbed wire fences, and I didn't, I, might, I was probably a little bit older then, I don't know, mm -hmm. but it wasn't much older. And for some reason, I was not in the mood that day. I didn't want to, and I, and I made a bad remark and it ain't really bad compared to what kids say today but it was out of place mm -hmm. and my daddy stood up with his breeches down to his knees and said let me tell you something young lady as long as you put your feet under my table and you eat my food you will help me do what it takes to, to it done on this farm. Damn, Miss Kane grew up in the country, and, <laughs> and and that was that was bad. And my daddy was the kind I didn't have to really do anything bad. Right. I mean, I just might say something kind of wrong or make a little smirk. All he had to do was look at me. That was it, babe? No, it's. I tears come to my eyes because I had that much respect for him. Yes, ma'am. Well, Ms. Fine Level, I appreciate you sharing that, and I appreciate the call tonight. Yeah, but I always loved everything I did. I guess that's why I sleep outside to this day if I possibly can, because I just love outside. I loved every minute of it. There it is. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank, thank, thank you, Ms. Pine Level. Yeah, and it's amazing. And I'm, I'm actually excited that there's some memory in my past that I yet don't appreciate. That something will happen in my life or I'll come to understand something that'll make me look back. Who knows? In these 29 years or maybe it'll be by the time I'm 40 or 44, your age. Uh, well, you're 29, right? 
No, no, I, no, no, just, no, I, no. I'm proud of every second I've been alive. You're a man. Actually, you're forty. Yeah, that's right. I, <laughs> you know, he's actually fifty now. He turned fifty the other day. I wondered if somebody was going to put a meme out. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm fifty. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to find like new understanding about life, and it, it's cool. It's like you think about who you are. It, it does. It does happen because yeah. there are different things that, and I don't know. Maybe Ooh. I'm just. Maybe I've done a bunch of stupid stuff. We're right. talking about you remember the pain and the hurt, and maybe that's why I've got so many memories and so many. I've I've been told before, you have got a damn story about everything, mm. and I kind of <laughs> really do. And I don't make many of them up. I mean, every once in a while I will. Well, but. it's it's come up with the um, the Me Too thing, which by the way, there's a great article out today that Real Clear Politics put up by Camille Pallia on the subject. I like Pallia's take on things. Don't always agree, but she is uh, brilliant, wicked smart. Um, but with the Me Too thing, I've heard it brought up that say you know somebody's accused of something they did 30 years ago, and if whether what they did, you believe it or not. How severe it is, that depends on what the specific instance is. But usually, if it's 30 years later, you're not that same person. Like, I think back to when I was 12 uh, or no. you were 9. Like, that's not me. I'm not that way now. But in a way, you are. It's maybe not this. It, it, we would hold people responsible for things they did, depending on a statute of limitations. But that's not even what I'm getting at. It's like, if you didn't go through that thing, though you're a different person now, you wouldn't be who you are. So, you, in a way, you are that person. It, this is getting way too introspective. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Well, the, yeah, I, and, and I think it would be sad if, if you're the same person today as you were a year ago. If you were exactly the same, even a year ago, even a month ago. Right. You're, you're not living life. You're existing. You're probably not taking responsibility. You have gone to where you're just existing and you're doing the same thing every day, day in, day out. If you're not growing, you're probably moving backwards. Yeah. And a few people just kind of sit in the same spot. I mean, there, and and there's wallow, something there. Yeah. Well, I, I've done that in life, wallowed. I'm definitely, uh, and uh, wallowing at least is living. You're not the same person, but I'm... I'm definitely not the same person I was 10 years ago. Well, I almost want to do something dangerous. You know, there's a thing in the business that we don't do that much, uh, but it used to be a bigger in substations that is an air check. Like somebody listened to a show or two that you did, and they give you a critique, an honest one, which is, in any creative work, it's very hard to come by an honest, yeah. robust critique. You either mm -hmm. get folks who genuinely, and I appreciate it, that was a great job tonight, or you suck! It's like, like the preacher walking out of church. Yeah. You get extremes, so it's hard to find good criticism. But instead of an air check, I need to find whether a company exists or we can find the people to do it. And this is a bit narcissistic. Excuse me. Pardon me. 84 and audience. Aren't we all a little bit narcissistic? Yeah. Well, and I have to say, I've looked into the numbers here. I've done the work. Wink, wink. And uh, we have one of the best-looking audiences in the world. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't think it with it being Alabama. But we do. Mm, we do. We're one of the know. best the looking ones, audiences in the world. The ones I've met, I would have to agree with you 100%. Right. At all our get togethers. Woo. 
Anyway. Now, the people that talk on the radio, not so much. Mm-hmm. But the people that listen, dynamite. But here's what I want to do. <laughs> I, I realize I have saved, recorded, and let's take out the other shows I produce with Dan and Greg. Just the shows I've done on my own, whether I was guest hosting for them or doing my own thing on online podcasting or now this show or the 30-minute show I did before this. Or the Saturday show did. I have hundreds and hundreds of hours of me talking on radio over six years of life. In the middle of that six years is a pretty traumatic, life-changing right. event. Mm-hmm. And I, I would almost want to take that hundreds of hours of audio and give it to somebody who can analyze it. And say, here are the themes you keep returning to. Here are the things that you seem to be having trouble with. It's, it's almost like go back and have somebody who's independent and dispassionate review, am I repeating myself? Some of it would be for my job and for doing radio, but some of it, I almost saying this, I'm a little scared to even go down that road. I got to think about this because of the surveillance state that with just metadata, not the content of your conversations or your emails or whatever, just you sent this to this person and you drove to this place just you had transactions in all these places you can find out a lot about somebody they don't even know about themselves what if you gave hundreds of hours say a hundred hours of you talking just talking over six years and had them analyze it thoroughly what would you find out about yourself oh lord have mercy <laughs> it I, ain't sign, me I ain't signing up for that but part of me wants to go into that belly of that whale. I don't know. I think it could be fun. I don't know if anything like that exists unless I go to the NSA and essentially turn myself in. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know. It's something I just told you off air. that I'm trying to move this show, whether it's tragic belly of the whale stories or it's stories of accomplishment and achievement, heroism, or stories of just getting your life in order, whatever it is. I want to try to start using these airways in this time, of course, to have fun, of course, to inform people, but also learn and tell stories of people's lives and how they did it for the better. It's not always inspirational, not modeling. I, I, I don't but I don't think you have to change anything because that yeah. is that's how you do learn and you do have a you've got a great gift or at least when you and I speak. I mean, we've spoke about everything from abortion to same-sex marriage. To the Bible. The Bible. uh, And let's see, which of them three do we agree on? Oh, none of them. Supposedly. But but we, you know, we can have a conversation about it without going like we talked about earlier. I'm starting at this end, and I'm right, and I'm going to convince you. Yeah. Just conversation. That's where it's Just sharing experience, sharing what you know. Well, 84, thanks for joining me tonight. Anytime. Thanks for listening, folks, you good-looking son of a guns. Oh, look at that one right there. Woo!